the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's exactly what Jesus said in John 10.10. And we continue in this new series called Do Over with a message called When I've Messed Up. It's all about confession, a great way to get a do-over. This is Real Life Radio. As I said, as others have said, the series is called Do-Over. And remember last week we started on Easter. By the way, what a great Easter Sunday. Wasn't that cool? Didn't we have an awesome time? It was. It was very cool. We had close to 40 people who actually filled out the card and said, you know, I'm committing my life to Christ today. And isn't that that awesome? Their life's going to be different, never the same. And I have to tell you, um, you know, the average church in America is about 100 people. So this is like almost half a church now that exists. And our prayer is that those folks get connected in groups, that they find life and relationship because, man, this is, this is what it's about. This is what we do. This is what the church is about. God has given us a message of reconciliation. And that's really the theme of this whole do-over series. You know, our message is one of, uh, it is a matter of life and death. Apart from Christ, we are lost. We're dead. We're dried up, fundamentally finished. But in him, there's such an amazing, abundant life he's called us to and prepared us for and he's made possible. That's what this series is all about, a do-over. And last week we saw, because of Jesus, you really can have a do-over. It's not just metaphorical. It's not just something that we're talking about, kind of a teaching point. You actually can. And we saw a beautiful biblical example of it. Now, this week, I'm going to share something that I think is going to set the stage for the rest of our do-over series. So I want you to really to kind of pay attention. We're going to talk about do-over when I've kind of made a mess of things. Because there's lots of things in life we can look at and go, gee, I wish they were different, but, you know, there was this circumstance, and I didn't have this opportunity, my parents didn't, or the system didn't, or whatever. And we can kind of put it on other things, and we can kind of live with those things, I guess. But there's those times when I know I'm to blame. I did it. It's my fault. If I wouldn't have done those things, said those things, that relationship would still be good and I'd still have that relationship. Or if I would have handled those issues differently, I'd still have that job and my career would be here. Instead, I've had some huge mistakes. Whatever it is, whatever that area is. How about finances? Finances is one of those areas that personally for me, early on, I made some mistakes that kind of stung me financially. And it wasn't anything, you know, huge or, you know, massive, but to me, it was significant. And even as a follower of Jesus Christ, I had a little bit of this attitude in me, like, well, I got myself in, God, I can't expect you to get me out. And I really did. I got, okay, uh, thank you, Lord, I know you can forgive me, but now I know you probably have to leave me alone, and I got to figure this out and get this straightened out. Once I get it straightened out, then then I'll bring you back into the mix. And it's like the Lord kind of knocking me on the head, what is the matter with you? 
What, what kind of God do you think I am? I really, I had to deal with what am I thinking about the character and the nature of my God? Because what he, what he really impressed my heart, there's no area that I want you to kind of handle on your own. That's the whole point. Yeah, you messed up. And I, I have to tell you, God never actually, there was never like, not that I never looked, it, there was never like the big miracle check that fixed everything. To this day, I still, we go out to the mail, I always ask, Lori, a miracle check? No. Here, you got a miracle bill. Take care of that. How do you like that? <laughs> Thank you, honey. <laughs> Way to bolster my faith. <laughs> but he sure did come alongside, and as I began to follow him, I, we watched him work and provide and do things that, I mean, there is no explanation for other than the fact that God was moving and working in our finances. But there was this thing in me that was just like, oh, I, I got to fix this. And you'd be surprised how many times... I hear that kind of thing. I was talking to a guy this week, you know, and he was talking about, you know, having family who come to River City. I said, well, you should come sometime. He's like, oh, no, if I came, the whole building would fall down. I'm like, no, 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 we're sinner engineering. We've got sinner kind of, we're good. We've had worse than your kind. But, I mean, there really was. I mean, we were laughing. It was, you know, we were just joking around. But, but he had this thing of, oh, no, i got to get fixed up before I come to church. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, where, what's behind that? And I think these areas where we know we've messed it up are particularly hard because we're beating ourselves up over it. And they can be areas where we really get, not only do we stiff-arm God and keep him out, but we, we really deal with a lot of defeat, self-condemnation. And so I want to look at, in the Scripture today, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 19. I want to look at an unlikely do-over, Okay powerful do-over but it just seems like a guy who go wow this this was kind of an unlikely do-over luke 19 beginning of verse 1 we read jesus entered jericho and was passing through a man was there by the name of zacchaeus he was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy he wanted to see who jesus was but because he was short he couldn't see over the crowd So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, what do we know here? We know Jesus is coming through. He wasn't planning on staying. There's this guy named Zacchaeus. He's the chief tax collector. Do you know what that means? He's despised. He is despised. Because we have our attitudes about the IRS here. Yeah, the IRS, kid stuff compared to the Romans. Okay, as much as you may go, oh, the IRS, you know, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Yeah, compared to the Romans, no, no, no. Uh, the IRS got nothing on the Romans when it came to tax collection. And Zacchaeus was the representative. He was the chief tax collector in Jericho, which was also a pretty, con- I mean, it was a major thoroughfare. Jericho was on a major trade route. And so they would not only have the taxes for the local people there, but they had tolls that people had to pass to go through Jericho. So not only did the locals hate him, but people all in the region hated Zacchaeus and his people there in Jericho. So we know he was a tax collector, he despised, we know he was wealthy. And of course, we can imagine how he got wealthy, but more on that in a little bit. But something about Zacchaeus, we're told he wanted to see who Jesus was. We're not told why. We find out why. But he wanted to see who Jesus was. And we know this guy's a little crazy desperate. This is more than curiosity. Hmm, I've heard about this Hebrew rabbi, I wonder what, blah, blah, blah. No. This was desperation because here he is. You have to understand, he's the chief tax collector, so he's a city official. He's wealthy. He's an important guy. He's got his dignity. 
He doesn't care. You see him with his robes, his expensive robes of an important man, pulling him up, running, trying to look through the crowd, and he can't see. So he goes and he runs ahead and gets in a tree and is just waiting. To to even understand this, you have to picture some very powerful Wall Street guy in his suit, kind of running, getting all excited, and climbing up a tree to see a person coming through. That's exactly what happened. People in him are like, what's going on with Zacchaeus? What is... What's, in, what's going through his head? There's a desperation. This is not casual curiosity. The scripture just gives us this plain, he wanted to see who Jesus was. He really wanted to see who Jesus was to the point of not wearing what anybody thought and just climbing up a tree to try to get a view. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come on down immediately. I must stay at your house today. First of all, how did Jesus know his name? He's like, hello, he's Jesus. He used his Jesus power. You know, Zacchaeus. That might be the case. Or there could have been people talking about him. It's like, Zacchaeus, what are you doing in the trees? Like, oh, it's Jesus. You're embarrassed. Zacchaeus, get out of it. We don't know. All we know is Jesus saw him, called out to him, and he said, I must stay at your house today. Why must he? stay at his house today. What compelled Jesus? Because all we're told is Jesus reached a spot, the only thing he did before speaking was he looked at him. What did Jesus see that changed his plans? Because Jesus was only passing through. He didn't plan on staying. What did Jesus see? All of a sudden he's walking. Here's the guy in the tree. Something that Jesus sees, nobody else is seeing it. Something Jesus sees changes plans. Zacchaeus, come on down. I mean, you can almost see Jesus. I got a little grin in his face. and like, dude, come on down. I have got to go to your house today. I must stay at your house. There was something in Zacchaeus that drew Jesus to him. Now, let's just stop on that. Be really good to know the thing that draws Jesus to you, wouldn't it? Something in Zacchaeus drew Jesus his intention, his focus. Ultimately, a whole lot more. It's good to know there's something that Jesus is looking for, that he wants to see. In response to what Jesus asked, we're told, verse 6, so he, Zacchaeus, came down at once and welcomed Jesus, welcomed him gladly. Now, verse 7, this is, you're like, oh, what a happy ending. He's going to go meet Jesus. He's going to be fine. Everything's going to be good. But no, 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 verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter. Ah, there they are. Isn't it great that all the people are always there to mutter? Any of you guys got people always willing to mutter? Let me just put it to you this way. If you don't have people that mutter occasionally what you do, you're doing something wrong. Because there will always be people, if you do anything, especially if you do anything to follow hard after God, to meet Jesus, to encounter Jesus, there will always be people there to mutter. (laughs) We don't even know, you know, about the people. We don't know who they are, but they're always around. And again, if you don't have a few of them muttering your way, you might be doing something wrong. The people muttered, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now, Just because the people are muttering doesn't mean they're wrong, because they were right here. 
They were exactly right. Zacchaeus was not a good man. That's what we come to discover. He was not a righteous man. He was a wealthy man, you know how? By practicing extortion from his own people on behalf of the Romans. He was a Hebrew, works for the Romans, and he's taking, collecting taxes and cheating his people, his own people, for the Romans and skimming off the top, becoming wealthy in the process. He was not a nice guy. He was not a good guy. And what I find fascinating is Jesus didn't care. What? Jesus cares about that a lot, doesn't he? Not when he sees something else in us. Oh, he cares about sin. Don't ever get me wrong. Jesus takes sin very seriously. But there was something in Zacchaeus that gave Jesus hope that there was a different kind of work happening in him. He was not a nice man. He was not a moral man. But he was someone who Jesus saw as a thirsty man. He was hungry for something. And Jesus saw that. We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in a series called Do-Over. If you'd like to hear this full, unedited message, it's available right now as a free download at the River City website called reallife.org. Just look for the sermon link. And if you think you'd like to come visit River City, well, here's an invitation from Pastor Sean. Hi, this is Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church. I want to take just a moment and invite you to experience Saturday nights at River City. This new 5 p.m. service will be an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights all designed to explore the real life that God designed us for. River City is located on Lookout Road right across from Atama Park with entrances on both Lookout and Evans Road. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is called reallife.org. To find out more about Saturday nights or our Sunday services, go to reallife.org. We hope to see you soon on the road to real life. Welcome back as we return to this message called When I've Messed Up. This is Real Life Radio. Verse 8, when the people muttered he's gone to be a guest of sinner, which, which was true, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything... I will pay it back four times the amount. You need to understand, Zacchaeus is not speculating here. And if by some chance, mistakenly, I have cheated someone. That is not what's being said here. That is not what you should understand this to mean. What he's saying is I've cheated too many to know and to have names. There's too many to count. But any of those people I have cheated... I will pay them back four times what I cheated them of. When they come to me, I will give them back. And, and you could go, oh, just words, empty words. You're going to give half your wealth to the poor. You're gonna... No, no, Jesus is right there. And Jesus knows the difference. In verse 9, we're told Jesus said to him, Today, salvation, salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The only way salvation comes is through faith, the Scripture tells us. Through repentance and through faith. Obviously, Jesus sees in Zacchaeus, he sees this desperation, this belief in Jesus. He sees this admission. He sees this repentance. He sees something in him. And he says, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. And then he says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He sees this incredible heart change. And that unbelievable desperation and hunger in the heart of Zacchaeus has a 
head-on collision with the mission of Jesus Christ to save the lost, to save those who are broken and lost. You see, some came to seek and save the lost. He didn't, came, he didn't come for the, quote, righteous. And you know why I say, quote, righteous? He, he actually said, I came for the sick, not for those who are well. I, didn't come, I came for those who have need. I didn't come for the, quote, righteous. Well, I say, quote, righteous, because the Scripture says our righteousness is as filthy rags, that there's none righteous, not one. What Jesus is saying, those people who believe in their own self-righteousness, who, who believe that they're righteous, I didn't come for them. Because you know why? They wouldn't care anyway. They don't think they need a Savior. They don't think they need salvation. Why would they be interested in Jesus? The person who thinks, I'm doing it all right, I got it all together, I'm all good, why would they be interested in being saved? You can waste your breath sometimes going to person. Would you like to be saved from what? And if they don't know, if there's no sense of thirst, no sense of desperation, no sense of recognition, it's falling on deaf ears. Jesus said, I didn't come for the healthy. They're not the ones who need a doctor. It's the sick. He wasn't saying that there are some who are perfect without him. What he was saying is, if you don't understand your need, you're not going to be interested in what I have. The mission of Jesus is to seek and to save the lost. And there is such a connection between Zacchaeus' thirst and this mission of Jesus. There's really a two-part interaction, and I think there always is when we encounter God. A two-part. There's God's part, and then there's my part. And before you all get, you know, because I'm stepping into, some of you may not be aware, I'm stepping into theological ground here, and some people are like, well, if we have any part, then it's works-related, and God, you know, isn't sovereign. Stop it, okay? God's part, we understand. He initiates it all. It's all him. He created us, and when we fell and gave ourselves over to sin, he redeemed us. He sought us. It's all him. It's all him. We can't do a thing to save ourselves. I get it. He came to seek and save the lost. Do you understand that God is looking? He's actually looking for people to save, for people to support, for people to strengthen. I love this verse. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Did you know he's looking for a heart like Zacchaeus that will just turn to him and go, Lord, help He's looking. It's not like he's sitting back and going, well, if you can kind of climb up here and you prove it by really trying hard, then I may kind of... No, he's, he's out here looking. He sees the least little bit of light of faith and he's on it saying, I'm here. I want to seek and save those who are lost. But I want to challenge you if you think we have no part because it's not true. Jesus saw something in Zacchaeus and he brought one thing to his encounter with Jesus, and it is the key to a do-over. And it's, this is going to help guide us through the rest of our conversation, so pay attention. If you're taking notes, please write it down. Every do-over starts with a thirsty heart. Every do-over starts with a thirsty heart. That idea of a heart that desperately thirsts for God, for his healing, his restoration, his love. Psalm 42, 1 and 2 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Revelation 22, 17, listen to what the Lord says. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. The one who's not thirsty has no interest in the free gift of the water of life. Here's the truth. The fact is, we all thirst for something. We're born with it. It's there. We don't necessarily recognize what it is. Call it the thirst for life. We all thirst for something. And that something is supposed to draw us to Father. The problem comes in when we go and we look at all these other ways to try to satisfy our thirst. Listen to what Jeremiah chapter 2 says, verse 13. God says, my people have committed two sins. The first, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. The second is, and have dug their own cisterns or wells or containers for water. Broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Broken cisterns. This idea that there's these other things that we could kind of try to provide for ourselves, that we could pursue to quench and satisfy our thirst, that we come to realize, you know, maybe they can't. It's like success. Success is one of those things that we as a culture really try to satisfy our thirst for life with. The problem is, as long as you're climbing the ladder of success and you still have hope that, well, when I get there, maybe my thirst will be satisfied, you're good. The problem is when you get there. The problem is when you reach that pinnacle of success in your industry or wherever it is, and you go, I am actually successful. Why am I still thirsty? Why am I not satisfied? We often use money to satisfy that thirst. And the problem is, ultimately, you may get enough money where you have plenty. You don't need to work for anybody. You can do whatever the heck you want. You're free. Because you have enough money, you have more money than most people. But you kind of start to recognize, well, then why do I still thirst? I thought this would satisfy my thirst. Zacchaeus was wealthy, but for some reason he was still thirsty. Sometimes we put that in a relationship. Oh, if I could just have that person and we could have that relationship and just, just the two of us, and if that, then everything would be good. But then that happens and you have that relationship and you realize that's just a person and I'm just a person. And whenever you have two people... There's great days and then there's not so great days and it's just life. And I've got the relationship I thought would make me complete and satisfied, but why am I still thirsty? And you recognize that trying to satisfy satisfy myself, my thirst, any other place other than Jesus is digging broken cisterns, broken wells. See, like Zacchaeus, we need to understand this simple principle. For a do-over, we've got to bring our thirst to Jesus. Every do-over starts with a thirsty heart. Zacchaeus was so thirsty. His thirst for Jesus and Jesus' love for him led Zacchaeus to the place where he really did. As he experienced this do-over, there were four steps. And I dare say simple steps. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying easy steps, but pretty simple steps I want to give you that we can see in Zacchaeus' story that were actually the process of do-over. And this is going to be important to us in each of the the scenarios that we look at when it comes to do-over. So I want you to pay attention to this. Very simple, four things that happened because of this thirst as Zacchaeus was given a do-over by Jesus. Four steps. Say it, stop it, study it, surrender it. I'll give it to you again. Say it. Stop it. Study it and surrender it. And you note takers out there with the notes in the blanks, it's like, <sighs> fill in the notes. You're like an addict over there. Fill in those blanks in ahead. You're going ahead. And I see how it is. 
And you're, some of you are also going, good, we don't have to stay. We can go now. My, my sheet is full. We can leave. Thank you. Thank you for that. Appreciate that support and that encouragement. The first step is to say it. And we're talking about confession. Just honest confession. You admit it. Zacchaeus had to come to the point where he didn't deny what they said about him. He did not try to lie to Jesus. He flat out admitted it. Yep, I've done it. I'm guilty. 1 John 1, 8 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Confession is simply telling the truth about what you've done and where you are, agreeing with God's assessment. And as simple as that is, you know, you realize you're never going to get help until you admit there's a problem. We live in a culture where it's becoming harder and harder to actually honestly practice this idea of say it or confession. Because we're, we line up with excuses on why, oh, no, no, we, we're, it's, it's not our fault. We didn't do anything wrong. It, I have, the, I have, a, I have a, a medical thing or a chemical thing or I have a cultural thing or my family or this is bias. That's why. We make excuses all day instead of stopping and saying, you know what? I said that. I did that. And it was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Just admitting it and saying it. God's word says it's sin. You know what, God? I, I've come to recognize you know what you're talking about. That's why you get to be God. You're right. Confession. Father, I am sorry. That is sin. It's hurtful. It's wrong. It's just plain confession. And it is becoming so ridiculous. People who are unwilling to simply say, yes, I was wrong. And, and I have to say to you, deception about what you did is bad self-deception is like the most deadly kind you got to begin by just admitting god that's sin god i did that wrong god i didn't do that your way i'm sorry every do-over starts with a thirsty heart thank you pastor sean azaro you've been listening to real life radio in this series called do-over if you'd like to hear the full unedited message all over again and this series it's available right now as a free download and you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're always invited to come visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park. See all the details, directions, and service times, including the new Saturday night service, also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, and we hope you join us again next time for more real life three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.